Welcome to another episode of Renegade Joint Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and Keller Williams agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's rear, folks. No guru bullshit from the front. This group's about networking and closing. If you want to do things, come. If you don't want to do things, stay away. Go to the other meetings. No smell of Ben Gay, stale coffee, and or disappointment. You know, Keep it in your basement, folks. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done. I pick their brain for entertainment and hopefully education. Ma, where's the meatloaf, ma? <laughs> if you enjoy this podcast, please give it a like and share it across the internet. It's rated on iTunes, Stitcher, etc., etc. Also, if you haven't already, um, share it from the Renegade Detroit Investor uh, fan page on Facebook. That really does help. And if you haven't, I know a lot of you have. Rate and review on iTunes. That's what we need. So the deal is I'm producing a show for every day of the week. Right, folks? So if you go to renegadetroit.com, you can leave me a message. Um, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. Hit me up on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess, and of course, you go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. All right, legal disclaimer, man, don't fucking blame me. You losers think this shit is you love this shit, just suing the fuck out of people. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I or my guests say be taken as legal and/or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer, an attorney, or and/or other licensed professionals. Be an adult, don't fucking sue people, you bitches. Just do the shit you say you're going to do, all right? How hard is it? Be responsible for once in your life. You know who I'm I'm not talking to you, but you know who I am talking to, right? Get off the couch. Ma! All right, time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I try and pick a quote that sets the tone. Tommy doesn't know I'm doing this either. For the podcast and hopefully your week. Are you ready, Tommy? I am. I am ready. Wolves heed not the bleeding of sheep. <laughs> Wolves heed not the bleeding of sheep. And if I'm not mistaken, is that a Tommy Desmond original? I guess, or close I guess to? It is, yeah. As close as we're ever going to get to original. That was, yeah, that was sheep. She you got to tell the story behind that. You got to, it's really, it's fucking <sighs> hilarious. Well, it was all right. I was, it was a cold call. What was it? It was a woman I had cold called and she called me back. I think I left a voicemail for her and she called me back and she was irate that I was calling her. You know, why were you calling me? And she was very, very upset. And it went for a minute, you know, and I was, I was, it was a long day. I had been on the phone for a while and normally I don't really get too worked up about these things and, and I wasn't worked up. Well, she she paused for a moment to get my response because she was going. The police were coming. The FBI was coming. Everybody was coming to cut me. Cut black me helicopters. Yeah, black helicopters. I was a bad human being. I was burning in the pits. And that my response to her after a moment of silence was, 
wolves heed not the bleeding of sheep. And I hung up on her. And I know it was not professional. It really wasn't appropriate. And it's not like a standard operating procedure. I just, man, I just had had enough of that particular. She, she was, I was a brimstone scenario. I was burning. Jesus that was, was a brimstone. And, I like you have it. So that's and like Z. I thought she just deserved that one. So I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I've been reading a lot of Roman stuff at the moment. So I... <laughs> I think it was Tacitus. I might not get credit. It might be 2,000 years old, but it wasn't specific. I Googled specific. it, and I couldn't find anybody. Well, I don't think... I, I think it was a paraphrase of the concept in okay. Latin. If you found it in Latin, it would canis... I forget. It's been a long time since Catholic school. Dude, but. that was so great. I actually... So I have a whiteboard <laughs> in my uh, home office where I write quotes across the top, and Tommy made the top. Wolves heed not the bleeding of sheep. You know what? They make a lot of noise when you eat them, but they're delicious. It did make me feel really good, actually. After I hung up, I was just like, ah, that was that I'm was right. nice. Yeah. Well, I could have killed her, or I could do that. And I then could. I actually immediately got a lead right after that, that I ended up closing, and I got a deal out of it. So nothing Boom. feels better than than uh, getting getting a hot one after you get reamed out. Perfect. So. I should probably introduce you to the few people who don't know you. This is Tommy Desmond, folks. Tommy's a serial entrepreneur and a full-time real estate agent with Keller Williams. Uh, he's a team leader here at Desmond Realty Group. Tommy's also a licensed builder and a real estate investor with many rentals, residential and commercial, and is active with multiple real estate investor associations. Just finished up a couple flips, too. He's also a member of the Zoning Board of Appeals for the city of Detroit, where he's infiltrating the belly of the beast. <laughs> His plan is to destroy it from the inside or something like that. This is Jeremy's plan for me. I may, I may have paraphrased that. <laughs> <laughs> Destroying bureaucracy when and where he can. This is what happens when you let me write your bio, it's by a, the way. It's clearly part of your Manchurian candidate <laughs> idea that you've got working. You're, I, I got all my money on Tommy, folks. It's right here. It's starting small. We're going to the top. All right. Past businesses include screen printing and selling code, flipping code to the highest bidder. Tommy lives and serves in Troy, Michigan, where he's married, a very lovely lady, with three children and a great dog, and for some strange reason, loves electronic music. All right, go to TommyDesmond.com or DesmondRealty.com or OaklandCountyInvestors.com. Hit him up on BiggerPockets.com forward slash Tommy Desmond. And as always, you can email him, Tommy at DesmondRealty.com. Dot com. Welcome, sir. Well, hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're having a good time already. <laughs> it's going to be one of those podcasts. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> then we're going to be aggressive. Uh-huh. Lots of yeah, male posture. A lot of grunting. A lot of throwing. I just when you that day when you told me wolves heed not the bleeding of sheep. I was really excited about it. You should have been. I wish I would have thought of it. <laughs> it's so good. I was like, I've got a lot of like. Well, you know what? He's right. He's right. You know. I think Grant Cardone just did like. Who cares what losers think? It's like he's right too, but this uh-huh. is way better. Wolves eat not the bleed. <laughs> when you're eating them, yeah, they squirm too. That's just the way it is. Well, you know, and I, there was nothing even weird about the call. It wasn't a blanket cold call. I, I now it's been it's been years. I don't even remember the the dynamic, but I think that her one of her children had called me, and I called them. And then she, I left the voicemail for her, and it was, you know, it was her ma, you know, that that was her, it was mama, it was Mama Fratelli from the Goonies called me back, and she was mad that I was calling her, and yeah, it was that. Do you want pasta? Yeah, I want pasta. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, anyway, it was worth it. Oh yeah, there might have been a deal in there somewhere, but I didn't care at the moment. She at a certain point, well, screw her. Yeah, yeah, the black (laughs) helicopters are coming for you. So. Well, you have not been on the podcast, I think, since, I think I want to say episode 16 or something like that. Let me take a look here. So it's time to have you back on. 
His last time was like you and Joe Delia. So, oh, I got to tell you that. You know what Joe Delia d- does when we're cold calling and people start yelling at him? Hmm. He's hilarious. He goes, that's not nice. <laughs> he says it the nicest. Like, that's not nice. Well, you know what? You just have a great day, okay? <laughs> Talk about offsetting. There you go. That's uh, that's an interrupt He's right like, there. That's not nice. That's that's a, that's a really good one. I died the first time I heard him say that. I was like, I'm Joe is generally one of the most entertaining people I've oh, seen on the phone. His mannerisms in general is he's Joe is awesome. Yeah, I love no, Joe. That was that was a good one. Although. <laughs> I think that's not even a close second to Wolsey, not the bleeding of sheep. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's probably a lot more effective. So right on your boards, folks. You get one of them crazy people call, and you just remind them that they're delicious. <laughs> and uh, we don't care what noise they make on the way. <laughs> it, was, it was good enough where I laughed to myself when I hung up the phone. Uh, the timing was so good. Yeah. Man. Just mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> totally what it was, yeah. I'm going to go home and kill something. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I want to have you on the podcast because you kind of took a different direction like the last six months yeah. since before. Yeah, there have been some changes. Yeah. Um, Big changes. You're still doing your realtor stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. still, uh, we're still listing property. Um, but I, the, the, the direction that our investment business has taken has really kind of taken priority. Um, we've been, uh, well, the personal scenarios that have changed is, uh, you know, that my wife, uh, who was always pretty involved in the in the investing side of the business before, I'm lucky enough to have a, a wife who grew up. Uh, I call her in a trades family. You know, like her father was a finished carpenter, her brother's a painter, drywaller. She's got she got a Polak for everything. You know, there's you know cousins, uncles, they all do something. So she grew up um, with the concept of. Uh, of real estate already embedded and uh for for my entire life with her you know for the the beginning part when we were together i was i was a computer nerd you know and, and she we made a lot of money uh she had no real idea what i did you know so uh, she just she was one of those, oh he does something with the computer you know it was one of that <laughs> like like i was like my mother and my wife talking about what i was doing for a living they were like yeah hey, he does the it's the bleeps and bloops he yeah, does something tommy just spends a lot of time in the basement yeah you know and I, they know that i would be up for 40 hours straight and then sleep for two days and they knew that stuff but they didn't really know what it was and at a certain point when you're when you're creating intangible things like uh, you know, doing development work. There's a, there's a small pool of people who can appreciate it, um, and it becomes basically invisible. I mean, you you're, you spend months building something that is invisible to the world, even though the results of it are visible. The uh, actual artisanship that goes into it, which I was proud of, because um, it was very sophisticated. No one knows. There's only a handful of people that see it, and it starts to wear down your psyche after a while. You know, so we had built one package and sold it to uh, a pretty well-known company, and uh, you know, based on uh, you know my interest in in the real estate planet, the next question was like, all right, well, I do want to keep building things. I just want them to be larger things, and I want them to be more tangible things. So. Um, my wife was very, very pleased with the transition into real estate many, many years ago based on it was something that she uh, could share with me and she understood and she liked. And uh, actually how we even began together, our first year together was basically spent you know, watching HGTV and eating pizzas and having fun before children, you know? So uh, because that was already such a part of our our you know, our existence to, to, it organically evolved into something where that would 
be a business she could really get her teeth into. And she was very, she was into it. Um, but when you've got three little kids that are, you know, basically for 10 years straight, only now this, this year, uh, this, this school season, which this year it's 2016 right now, it's October in 2016 at the time of the taping. Um, you know, this is the first time she's had her freedom back, you know, as far as now all of our kids are in school full time. And, you know, when at first she was like, well, you know what, I'm I'm just going to back away and I'm going to sleep late. I'm going to relax. I'm going to have fun. That lasted her a week before she's like, I want to do stuff because she's a really, you know, she's an active person. You know, she needs to have things running. She's like me. And, uh, you know, based on the fact that now she has uh, her time back, she's basically like, hey, I want I want in full, you know, and um, she just jumped all over it. I mean, last year she did project manage one of our first renos almost entirely by herself. But uh, and that was a great experience for her. But at the same time, she was still, you know, balancing between, you know, being a mom and 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 running a, a job site, which they're not those aren't easy things to balance. So, um, you know, the, the, her now us moving into this phase of life where our kids are a little bit older and somewhat independent and, you know, having free time throughout the day to now devote, um, that has changed the paradigm a little bit. Um, you know, and, and she is her, her, our interests in the, in the, in the business are, are, well separated so the the division of labor is almost ingrained uh she has no interest in running spreadsheets and uh finding deals and networking and negotiating and she that's not really what she's supremely excited about um when i am you know and she's much more pleased with the uh on the boots element of you know taking the properties and managing them and uh you know dealing with the tradesmen especially now that we're you know because you know she we could one of the problems when you're doing this kind of work is if you can do all of the work it becomes real tough to hire it out because you're like well i can do that you know how much they want to do it i could do that she's incredibly handy she i can't do like even a tenth of the shit she does she's very impressed and i'm very good with this stuff like i'm not a bad you know carpenter or uh tile setter or designer like i'm good at all that stuff but she is so much better than me that it's like you know and that that for her i mean she, with this last one we did in Clawson, she literally did the entire but she jackhammered floors out she uh you know she laid all the tile picked all the tile laid Dude, all they the broke tile. the mold with her I mean, no, it's really impressive. Like, I mean, she blows my mind all the time. Uh, I'm really, really lucky. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, you can't scale, you know. So uh, this last one in Clawson that she did uh, ended up setting the neighborhood value. I mean, she really did a great job, you know, blew out walls, redid structure, major work. Uh, But it was enough that after she had done it, she said, okay, now let's start getting tradesmen to do this because she's smart enough to know like we can't scale. She can't. She can't spend yeah, two or three year. That's you'd no. be wearing yourself out. Yeah, too. that's it. Yeah. You know, and that's not what we want to do. We want to. We want to have you know three to five running consecutively consecutively at any given time. You know, and that's just to start with. You know, before we even scale up from there. So um, that that's been a major transition. Is her you know realizing hey this is the scale that we want to run at um and i'm perfectly comfortable with that i've always had pretty high ambitions for the throughput that i'm want to get to um and now that we're really on the same page it's caused us to really take a look at the overall model that we want to roll with um 
you know, and I've always respected people who's, you know, like Joe Delia and Renee. I mean, they've got a great uh, working relationship that really reinforces the way their team runs. And the reality is, and I think Joe would agree with me, so I'm not saying talking out of turn here, that if, if Renee wasn't in his equation, Joe wouldn't be running the way that he's running. Yeah, no, that, she's amazing. Yeah. So, and, and I'm finding myself now, uh, luckily, in the lucky position of of having a, a different, not the same business, but a, a similar dynamic set up with that. Speaking so, of which, I did. What, I can't remember what episode it is. Uh, let me go back and find. I did an episode with Renee, and you should definitely go. You just look. did one the other day, right? Yeah, that was for uh, the Dealy Group podcast number twenty nine, folks. Mm-hmm. Number twenty nine with Renee Delia. Speaking of which, if you haven't already listened to the other podcast that Tommy was on, she's awesome. She's really impressed. I love you, Renee. He's on Tommy Desmond was on number 15, Tommy Desmond and Joe Delia. And he was also number, I think eight. Here we go. Yes. Number eight. So you can go back and listen to those folks. We will allude to some things, but um, if you want to know the whole story, the whole Tommy story, go back to that. The whole Tommy story. Yeah. So basically you shifted this year. You're like, you know, I'm, you were, you, you were talking about how you wanted to commit to a model. Yeah. You might have that conversation. Or? I do. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because it's an interesting thought process. I was interested by it. So well, I mean, I read the one thing, um, you know, and I'm I'm Keller Williams, so we've got the Kool Aid we drink, and people outside of Keller make fun of us for it. But the reality is, is that there's hard realities in the some of the models that Keller has. So when yeah, you start sip, talking don't about gulp. It, it's good stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't. Yeah, I mean, there's there's baby in the bathwater. I mean, you don't have to eat every single yeah. meal at the buffet, but I mean, you if you don't find something that you like there. Find it and eat the hell out of it. A lot of it's very measured and very accurate. Actually, yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, and the one thing basically it comes down to like, all right, you know, you focus on your model, focus like a laser and keep burning in the same spot you burn through it. So, um, the, the dynamic of what that one thing would be. Uh, you know, I think for creative people in general, like jumping from project to project is a perpetual issue and we've had conversations even at your house where it's like it's easy when you've got four things out in front of you and three of them suck and one of them's great to pick which one's good it's a lot harder when you've got four really good things to pick from because individually all four of those things they're gonna they'll work if you focus on it and you do it but you can't chase all four rabbits because you're not going to catch any of them if you do so there's a name for that i heard it on another podcast what fear of better options that sounds, uh, yeah, yeah, that FOMO. sounds awesome. I, knew, I didn't know. I, I knew there was fear of losing, mm-hmm. losing out, but I didn't know about there's fear of better options. So, no, I totally can see yeah, that. That's a fear of better options, and right? that's you something have that good I've options had too, in yeah. front of you, and you're like, which one do I do? Yeah, and I, that was with software. That was a big one because you can have consecutive projects running, and you can have other teams working on stuff, and you can work on something and set it down and move on. So it's it's almost uh, that kind of mindset is a positive thing when you're doing that kind of work. However, it's uh, it's not because software isn't a recurring model like like investing or an agent like you're doing the same thing forever. Whereas software, it's literally project based. So you pour your energy into doing one thing, develop it, build it, package it, sell it, done. You you could jump to the next thing. Uh, whereas uh, this this type of business, there's longevity to it. It's not really project based in the same way. And basically, I I just don't think that at least I'm unable to go after all of those different good options um 
and and do them all at a high level. You know, there's a couple guys in this industry that I really respect. Guys like Joe Delia, I respect him tremendously as a real estate agent, um, and he's got a model and he's focused on his model and he runs it hard and he's doing great at it. Another guy I respect a lot is Josh Sterling. How could Josh, you not, right? You know, Josh Sterling, you've had him, both of them on your podcast. And Josh Sterling has got a model and he runs it hard his way. Josh isn't doing a little bit of Joe and Joe isn't doing a little bit of Josh. Not, you know, to any sizable degree that matters. It distracts either one of them. And the reality is, is that I just don't think that either one of them would be as successful as they are had they decided to muddy their waters and try and do more than one thing. So, um, all of that being said is after long conversations with my wife, um, you know, we, we, we've, we're on the same page about what it is that we want to build and what kind of company we want to have and run with here. And that's, uh, this, that's where we're at. We're, we're pretty focused and committed now to this model on the investing side. So, yeah. So what are you guys going to be doing? Cause I know there's several things you were looking at some prefab stuff. Mm-hmm. You're still looking at maybe picking up some rentals, definitely being more aggressive with the fix and flips, yep. right? Well, so. rentals are definitely, I mean, that's an, that's an absolute, uh, component at the end of the day that is the the overall goal is to build uh recurring revenue cash flow from rental holes uh the method by which we get to them that's then the model that's that's the question now all right and there's a a handful of very very solid models that are available um you know there's one that's you know buy flip four buy one where you're flipping them pulling that equity out after you sell them and then using them to buy outright and have them held uh so that's definitely part of our equation uh what of Josh Sterling's model is uh, using blanket loans, portfolio loans uh, to, you know, and private money to purchase multiple properties and then refi them out, cash out, basically flip them to yourself. Um, I think there's a name for it in the bigger pockets world. What is it? B R R R R. Is that? I don't spend much time on bigger pockets. No, Tommy. no. Uh, no. I, I'm, I'm on there, but like, yeah. yeah, it's they they have a they have a cute name for it. But uh, basically, that model where you're uh, you know securing these properties, flipping them, building the equity up in them, then cashing out the money, refining them into uh, a single blanket loan across multiple properties, and then you're pulling some capital out, and they're cash flowing then under one note. Um, so uh, basically, we're we're balanced between those two uh, because we're never going to be able to get the throughput to just be flipping and acquiring individually. So as we build that pool of properties, which we're, we're already doing pretty good, we've got a pretty good basis of rentals now. Um, and a lot of them we've got, we've got free and clear properties in pretty good areas, Royal Oak and, and Clawson and Berkeley. These are good rental areas. I mean, we're getting, you know, 1600 bucks a month down the block for a thousand square foot house that we bought for 107 grand, 103 grand. So, I mean, those are, those are good numbers. Um, so the more of those that we can add, the more we can pull them all up and all of that equity is a pile we can tap out and that gives us more leverage to buy. Um, but we, we do have to be a little careful. I mean, I, I, I'm not afraid of debt. I know some guys don't want to have any debt. Um, and these are also guys that respect guys like Dylan Borland. I, he's an awesome guy. I respect him. He doesn't want to touch any debt. No, he doesn't. And, and I understand why he's had experiences and he's a brilliant guy. He knows what he's talking about. Um, I'm so I'm, and then there's Josh Sterling. Who's like, bring, bring all the debt that I can take. Give me more. You know, I'm somewhere in the middle of that. I would like to, um, I would like to basically, I'm willing to leverage up to half of the equity that I've got, but I want to have a buffer in the event that there is some kind of a shift that 
you know, I'm never underwater on any of these properties. So I've got the flexibility to adjust rents if I need to. I've got the ability to tap extra equity if I have a CapEx expense I'm not expecting or something like that. Um, for the for the unindoctrinated, when you refer to the shift, what do you mean? The shift. Um, that's well, Keller Williams logo. That is, that is, it. is that, that is a, it is. It really it's is. Keller Williams yeah. lingo, especially uh, the last six months. That's all I hear. Is that's shift, all. Well, shift, I've been hearing shift. that since yeah. I've been at Keller Williams because I I joined in two thousand nine when we were at another phase of shift. So, uh, Gary actually wrote a book called Shift, and uh, they use that phrase. Uh, they use that word to define a change in the real estate market. Well, we're not even a change to describe the natural ebb and flow of the real estate market. Um, so, I mean, the business cycle, we, we, we now take into referring to everything as a bubble or a bust or whatever. But the reality is, is that there's always business cycles. Things go up, things go down. That's how it runs. Uh, at certain points, it can get hyperinflated, which is really what a bubble is. It's not just that it, you know, prices went up, so it's a bubble. Uh, what we saw in 2000, uh, you know, back 2006, seven, eight was tremendous over the board uh, increases in value. Uh, historically, it's, it's the value has gone about 4% if you average it out across, you know, I think this is we're recording the data since the 30s or the 40s. Um, well, over that period, um, 2005, six, seven, I mean, it was going up at like 12, 13% Double digit, over baby. that yeah. average, over that 4% increase. So um, that would be a bubble because it's clearly sticking out over the, the, the trend line. Then we had that crash, which dropped it a corresponding amount down. Um, and, and then over the last seven years, these cycles tend to run historically in seven-year cycles, increments. Uh, then over the last seven years, since 2009, when it bottomed out, we have now come back and we are basically at uh, the parity line had nothing ever blown apart in you know 2006 and, and before. So uh, we're now back to pretty much where that historical 4% growth had been. Um, so that bubble and bust cycle that we just went through is now over. Um, however, we're still looking at now the resuming of the regular cycle of ups and downs. And, and that transition from things going up to things going down, uh, that is the shift. Anytime you, cr- you cross that apex uh, in either direction, that is a shift in the nature of the market. Um, and I mean, I, right now, I mean, obviously I have no crystal ball, um, you know, so I rely on data from the, the Keller Williams team, but I mean, it's the largest real estate company in the country, in the world. And they've got teams of people that are pouring over smarter people than me, pouring over data left and right. This is all they do. And when enough of them are telling you, Hey, this is statistically likely, um, brace for this. And they start orchestrating market centers and individual agents to prepare for these shifting scenarios. I mean, there's a reason that Keller Williams survived when a lot of other guys, you know, didn't we, we train, we, we, changed our uh, position within the real estate marketplace based on the forethought uh, that was, you know, that, that Ke- Gary Keller and a lot of the other staff, the, the leadership had uh, when things went rough, you know? So now, I mean, basically we're at now another situation where they're indicating that we are at a shifting market. Uh, I've seen it in my own listing inventory that I saw in the retail market. I've seen days on market is going up. I'm seeing the, uh, uh, you know, the prices are, are stagnating. I mean, in this, in the middle of the summer, I was throwing pretty high price tags on things and they were getting offers and they were, I, mean, I still kept it in, in uh, mathematical 
norms. Like I would do a price per square foot analysis and I'd still, I wouldn't put it in insane. If everything's selling at 200 bucks a square foot, I'm not going to put it at 400 bucks a square foot. I didn't go that crazy, but I did push it by 10 or 20 grand on each property that I wouldn't have normally thought I could get if the market hadn't been going that way. But every single one of them worked. So everything I sold over the summer did roll for higher price tags. I'm no longer now doing that for clients or for myself. So we've got properties that were in the middle of flipping one that I actually, we did a deal together that I bought off you in Berkeley. Um, this was, if this was in the middle of the summer, I probably would have tried to push another you know, 10, 15 grand out of it. I'm not going to attempt to do that with this one. So I'm still going to come out of it in a good position, but I mean, uh, with a sh- being aware that a shift is upon us and that the, uh, mental, the, the mindset of the buyers in the market is now changing as well. Um, just positions me to be, you know, a little bit more competitive if the other agents and the other people that are around me aren't, don't realize that that's occurring. So um, that's, that's the definition of a shift to me. Also, you're just aggressive by nature. And I found out by the way, that other uh, real estate companies um, don't like you to prospect. They just want you to like eat the leads they feed you. I didn't realize this. Like they don't want you cold calling. They don't want you like prospecting no. for business. They don't want you fishing for yourself. That was really weird to me. It's like yeah. they want a codependent relationship kind of. Oh, yeah. yeah. Instead of well, a bunch I, I of believe killers, most of their right? splits are different based on the, yeah. the leads. So if they bring in the leads, basically it's like a, it's an informal team scenario that you're, you know, you just get leads from the office and Yeah. Yeah, prospecting is a, I think largely a only Keller Williams and small boutique firm. I'm uh, sure he has a bunch of small ones that are really aggressive. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So one of the things you're shifting is less agent stuff, mm-hmm. more investor stuff. And if I'm not mistaken, you kind of like revived your your capital fund too. So yeah, um, talk about that shift and where you're headed to, man. Well, I've, I mean, basically we've got, um, three main machines that run. Um, and, uh, the, the machines that were, when I say machine, I mean, uh, I guess, uh, marketing paradigms. So, uh, DNG Capital LLC is our capital company and that's what we, uh, finance, pro- we acquire and finance properties through. So, um, is there a website for that? It is dgcapllc.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, yeah. And that is, uh, I mean, basically, it's it's just a contact form, uh, and that basically what that does is receive uh, private money um, because we are we we have our own capital, but to do this at the scale that we want, it requires even more capital. So, um, what is it again? DG Capital. DG Cap C A P L L C dot com. Um, so, you know, as we've been, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a couple really good, uh, private money lenders that we work with. Uh, we've also got some out of state and out of country investors. We're starting to reach more out internationally. Uh, got some guys in Australia and the UK that I've been talking to, um, you know, and basically, you know, trying to coordinate that external capital for a couple different, a uh, couple different things. We have the them paying, uh, giving us capital for long-term hold positions to refi out. Uh, we have them giving us uh, rehab capital, um, 
uh, we, again, we split with them. So, I mean, there's, there's, it's not like they're just giving us 100% of these deals because that, uh, you know, we, we have a handful of guys that we'll do 100% with, but for the most part, what we want is to have uh, comfortable scenarios. Not everybody out there is going to be dropping huge dollars onto an individual property, but they might have, you know, a hundred grand that they want to mobilize. They don't necessarily want to throw a million bucks into an account and let you roll with it. Um, but we do have programs with those guys who have, well, I got a hundred grand. Well, all right, you acquire the property. We'll do the reno. And a lot of our renos are fairly, you know, they're higher end. We're, we're not just dropping garbage into these properties. As another thing, me and Josh Sterling do share an opinion about is that we want, we make these nice, you know, yeah. we're putting granite in these properties. We're getting higher end tenants. Like we're not slumlording with these properties. We're getting uh, good properties in nice neighborhoods that are done well. And that brings in a high caliber of tenant. Uh, that we don't have to then worry about as much moving forward because they're you know they're just a stronger candidate. So uh, it, it generally makes the properties perform better. Um, Wait, so I think if they're not friends or family, they have to be accredited investor. I don't want to get your ass uh, sued or, or anything. No, like no, that. Yeah, well, yeah, accredited yeah, okay. investor, which is basically just a million bucks. Yep. You know, like I mean, uh, got to be qualified, folks. Yeah, and there's there's other uh, specifics that you have to pay attention to as far as not making not unintentionally making security with the SEC. Yeah, um, and that's I mean, one of the big ones is one investor per project. So we're not pooling funds for multiple investors. None of that happens. Um, so we're we're insulated from a lot of excellent that. distinction. Yeah, that's yeah. what's well, a big deal. Yeah, because I is. mean, if you if you accidentally make a security, you don't even realize that's what you did. A lot of people don't even know that that's what they're doing. It's like, well, I'm going to borrow this from my uncle and this from this guy, and it's like, all right, well, you just made yourself you know a stock there, buddy. You know, and that's somebody's got to have some. So was it Rodney Dangerfield and Back to the Class? Yeah, he's <laughs> like, this is how you start a business, and he yeah. draws on the blackboard, and Rodney Dangerfield's like, yeah, the union's going to want to talk to you about that. That's yeah. not how that works. Yeah, that's not how that works, and that's. <laughs> You know, so they got their little greedy, sweaty little palms mm -hmm. out. Like, where's mine? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're careful about all that. Um, and again, this isn't something that's like a, a transitory. We're not really looking at building like, hey, we're going to have a thousand private lenders here. We're we're really working with specific relationship based people you know like i mean we know the names of the people that we're lending with we go out for drinks with the people that we're lending you know we're borrowing from it's not um you know these aren't necessarily people that are just random strangers giving us grandma's inheritance so um yeah anyway so that's uh, one of our machines is the the money in machine um the next machine is uh the deals in machine and those deals that's tommybuyshouses.com which uh, right now isn't – it's about to launch. I haven't even launched it and yet. I've already made it all. It's all built, but we haven't actually made it go yet. Um, and that is basically – that is not really – it's not catered towards the wholesalers, people in the industry, um, because those are the people who are bringing us deals right now. Things that we don't find off the MLS or HUD ourselves, uh, You know, we got guys like you and other wholesalers bringing stuff to us. So um, – you know, but moving forward, we want to expand the marketing of that world to start getting more of our own uh, our own leads in. And luckily, as a computer nerd, I've had some pretty crafty uh, methods by which I can do some data extraction from public record and other sources in the MLS and things like that to uh, to get some really good lists. For, for people that maybe aren't as commonly accessed, uh, you know, as you might buy a list off List Hub or something like that. So we're, we're building lists for that that are uh, no one else has. They're different lists. Um, 
You're just going to send them like a letter or a postcard looking to sell your house, that kind of thing? Uh, it's similar. I mean, similar. it's a little beefier than that. It's a 12-point yeah. campaign, um, and that's the the premise. Because, I mean, I you know, you can't... Got them out more than once. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how many of those things you've read where it's like, oh, I sent out my yellow cards, and I didn't get anything. It's like, Yeah, keep doing it. Was it Grant Cardone? It's like 8 to 12. Yep. You know, it's 80% is at 8, right? Eight, eight once a month, 80%. forever. Update yeah. your list annually. Yeah, until they're dead, and then you start hitting their kids. Yep, you should have a probate so, list. <laughs> so that, that's the second vehicle, and then the the third vehicle uh, is basically to build a the is our is our internal buyer list, which is for that's Oakland County investors, um, and we that's been running for a while, um, and it really I've just been using it for relationship building with local guys but now that um we're picking up more and more of this stuff because some of these things just like every other wholesaler i'm not going to do some of these deals i'm getting deals that are i I just had one the other day that called me and it was from uh she was the homeowner uh and she's like you do you know you sell houses in clinton michigan i was like yeah absolutely you know we got a few over in clinton township she's like all right well she gave me the address and i'm looking i can't find this damn house and oh it's not Clinton Township, which is right by me. It's Clinton, Michigan, which is over by Irish Hills. I didn't even know that existed. So I've got this house sitting over in Clinton, Michigan. It's like, well, I'm not going to do anything with this because it's way out of my wheelhouse. So uh, in that capacity, that's I'm, I'm I'm just like I'm a wholesaler now too. You know that one's going out. Um, There's you know, always deals to make money on that you don't necessarily want to do, or it's just not the right time. Like yeah. you'd love to do it, but you already got five projects. Go, you like I don't sure. have time for another one. Sure, you don't want to pass on that money. Yeah, or in that case, I don't have tradesmen out that yeah. far, and it'd be way more of a hassle than it's worth for me to try to start coordinating or figure it all out when it's like, all right, I'll just get rid of that. So, um, you know, basically, that's the uh, the the that's the world of the investing business as we see it. Um, at least for me, that's my capacity. Um, the actual functionary component, the logistical side of doing the renovation, that's a fourth machine. Um, the operations machine. And that is what is not my problem anymore. Um, obviously I had a role in setting it up because like, you know, that's part building systems is part of what I do. So, um, but I mean, my, again, I'm lucky. My wife is a very fast, uh, she picks this stuff up quick. So as soon as she got her sea legs under her, um, she doesn't really need now. Now I'm in irritation when I go, Hey, did you call the granite guy? She's like, yeah, I called all the granite guys. Shut up. Yeah. You know? it's like, <laughs> stop, stop double checking. Thank me. you, honey. Thank yeah. you. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's that logistical hidden side. That's all her. I'm the side that's that's facing the public and dealing with, uh, you know, fielding the playing the tennis game on the phone, you know, um, so, that's yeah. exactly what it's like too, by the way. Tennis game on the phone. Yeah. yeah. So that's what you're doing. Just banging the phones all it's day. It's just on fire. Yeah. The ball's on fire. Always. And, yeah. And every time you hit it, money shoots out of it. <laughs> so you got to drop the racket and grab the money to pick the racket back up before it comes back. That's though. exactly right. Yeah. So, and that's fun. Yeah. It that's, is fun. That's the part I like. Yeah. So. Well, it's, I think it's like hunting. I think mm-hmm. that's why it appeals to men more than this is a gross generalization. They watch obviously, it. Watch it. You're crossing some It obviously there, appeals man. to women too, but more to men <laughs> than to women in general. It's like hunting, you know? You used to be able yeah. to kill things. Now it's harder. Now you can do this instead and you get money. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, well, you don't, it's like, what is it? The selling, uh, you're not selling a drill, you're selling a hole. Yeah. So you weren't, you weren't out there to kill the deer. You're out there for meat because yeah. you want to eat some deer. Now we just don't need to do that because we just need money to fall out and we can just go buy the meat. Same thing. I think, you know, except it is you, the same thing. Yeah. You actually want to jump on things and kill it. And I do. It. Yeah. Like, I, I like do. buying things under cellophane. <laughs> 
You don't like it when they're wiggling and eating shit. <laughs> no, I don't think I. I don't think I'd be able to kill too many large. Things. I can fish a lot and I can kill some chickens. They're really annoying, but other than that, yeah, I don't. They're I don't actually know. chickens are fucking monsters. They just they're fine because they can't do anything to you. But if they could, they would fucking eat you. Oh, I think most creatures yeah. are like that. People have cats all over their house and they don't realize if the cat was a little bigger, it would kill and eat you. If you die, that cat will eat you too. Oh, by yeah. the way, yeah, it'd be like day two, like. Yeah, I always wanted to try this. <laughs> it doesn't smell the same anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to nibble. I it's could late. sample this one. It's late putting the food in the bowl. So I love the TommyBiasHouses.com too. So Yeah, why do you like that one? I like that one. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just, it's fucking great. <laughs> it's just, I had to talk you into it, man. You didn't talk. Well, I was like, I, I asked Jeremy. I was like, all right, well, hey, I'm going to put this together. You know what? I, and I had this. I was coming. I didn't I didn't know if I wanted it to be so personal. I was like, oh, I'll abstract it out. I'll do this. I'll make I have all these elaborate, you know, buy houses in Oakland, all this crap. Michigan house buyers, all this shit. And he's like, five minutes later, he's like, TommyBuysHouses.com. I'm buying it. In 15 minutes if you don't <laughs> i think that's exactly what i and, did and, and i looked at it and i'm like actually that is like the Fuck easiest yeah, thing dude. yeah well so. you're recognizable too with the beard and the ball head man fuck yeah we people don't do the same look at trump he puts his head and face and name all over everything <laughs> right final billions of dollars he doesn't do shit since <laughs> yell at people and are you saying that i should get a wig he has a wig no i think he combs his back hair over the whatever it is yeah <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I was happy about it. I couldn't believe it either. I couldn't believe it. What you should have done is I called uh, Tommy Wooderson. So. What's up, man? Hey, turns out. <laughs> might have a URL you like. <laughs> you flip websites to yeah. Tommy. Oh, yeah. Which, I don't cry. get to use it. No, you should use it totally. <laughs> but uh, Sorry, but, Tommy. I get this one. Yeah, no. Well, you know, I spent more time with you. So, yeah. So, I, was like, I couldn't believe it was available. I went. And that's the first thing I did. I have the GoDaddy. I have a URL problem. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to divest myself of all these get rich URLs that are not getting me rich. Do you have a ton of them? Not anymore. I'm down to 18. But it, at one point. Don't feel bad. You have hundreds? Oh, yeah. Oh, you make me look good, man. I got I think, hundreds of domains. I think my high watermark was like 75. I've got, I've got domains that I bought in like 1997 that I still own that I've never done anything with. But I'm like, it's too good. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> like what I bought one I was so proud of and I never used it. It was sciencefriction.org. And I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with it, but it's so good. Science friction. And it's an organization. What does it do? I don't know, but I want it. It is a dot com land rush. At some point, they these are, there's no more, dot, how many dot coms? Another 10 no, years? No, it's true. It's true. And actually, the reason that, like, I mean, I was a Tommy, everybody in New Jersey is a Tommy, you know, a Y. They all get a Y. So initially, I was like, well, I'm, you know, being a professional, I'm going to be a Thomas Desmond and all that. All that stuff was taken. I couldn't find any Tom or Thomas Desmond. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm already a Tommy anyway. And no one had taken any of the Tommy Desmond. So I got TommyDesmond.com, Facebook.com, front slash Tommy Desmond, LinkedIn Tommy. I got Tommy Desmond across all of them. So I managed to tap it all early. Yeah, now you have. Tommy buys houses. Now, I got Tom, now Tommy buys houses. It all came to this. Fucking great. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go there, folks, and sell him your house real cheap. He needs uh, He needs another deal. So what projects are you working on right now, man? Got some interesting <sighs> shit? We got, we, got a, we got a good spread. I mean, the, we're in the middle of right now the one that uh, uh, you just did. We got from you and, and Dylan, and that was a glorious uh it was a glorious one. There's really nothing to do. Very, very little. Uh, we put up a wall in a basement to finish it off. Um, we painted the bungalow upstairs. We're waiting on granite right now, and it's going to be on the market. I'm going to put the sign in the ground with it coming soon, Friday. Um, I mean, all in all, we're probably going to be in for about 
five or six grand. I haven't seen the numbers. I mean, I, I've given my wife the budget to not go beyond, and she's better with money than me. So I'm sure it's under that budget, even though I don't know the specifics at the moment. Um, we get to do a little bit of concrete work, too, on that one, right? Yeah, there, yeah. Was, uh, there was just nothing big, though. It was just three slabs that were, that were cracked. And we probably could have got away with not even doing that and because it was, I mean, it was cracked up. But, I mean, Berkeley, there's a lot of that. So we probably could have gotten away with it. But uh, under the uh, under the assumption that, you know, it might only cost us, you know, it was, I think it was 1800 bucks to do it. Um, you know, if we get an FHA or a VA buyer for that, I mean, we're going to have to deal with it. Um, so I don't know. We still have to deal with the 90 day rule for them anyway. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but that one's going to go, I think it's going to go pretty good. It's a nice, it's a great property in a really nice area. So I imagine that one's going to go relatively quickly. Um, so that that's rolling right now. And then we've got uh, several that are, we got a bunch of offers out right now. Um, we've got about 15 offers out. We got three pending. Um, and then we've also got uh, some actual contracting work, which is I'm a licensed contractor, although I haven't, uh, I don't really solicit that work. Um, but I do have some investors that are just uh, friends that I just want to work with, you know. So VJ, me and VJ and Steve and Jeff uh, Rabinowitz are all doing one in Royal Oak right now, and we're acting as the GC on that. Uh, and that's not even really a profit. There's no, I mean, there's not really a profit motive in that at all. That's more like, uh, you know, relationship that's just, building. That's just right? doing the deal yeah. with VJ and Jeff and Steve, you know. So, uh, and that one's going to be fast. He's uh, VJ is going to hold that one as a rental. Um, but that's hopefully. I would have liked to have done that deal. If my uh, situation sexy. was different. Yeah, yeah, I would have loved to do that. I saw it when I went out there. I'm like, man, that's a fucking good idea. Yep. What a great. So those listening, what basically was a wholesale deal that Jeff bought and then he wrapped like short term like three-year term financing around in a very attractive manner and for a house in a very good area mm-hmm. and the way he put together the deal was just very attractive in general it was a good idea i and thought he land so, contracted yeah. it out to an investor so he doesn't run into any of those land contract problems because it's not going to an owner occupant then vj turned around and now is going to hold it as a rental until which time he can just refi it out. And yeah, and he didn't. He didn't have to put that much money out of his own pocket in, right? Like, I think he's only in for ten. Yeah, and he's going to have a cash flow and rental in the middle of downtown Roy Local. Not downtown, but it's it's still good. Not the not a terrible place to have I a mean, nice cash flow rental. Nope. Yeah. Not to put ten grand out of your pocket and walk away with a ten M. He's going to be probably twelve, thirteen hundred a month. I'm guessing over there. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but you're talking about before like Royal Oak used to be like the shithole. This is the place where you came, or I don't it know was, how much you wanted to say or. Not. It was. I, I don't know. All right, I'm not I'm not intending to be offensive at all, but I mean, yeah, when I was, uh, you know, I guess it was the 90s, early 90s, Royal Oak was not uh, the hip, wonderful, trendy place everybody wanted to live in. It was, uh, I mean, it was a place that you came to, you know, be a teenager and get wasted, basically. I mean, and not like in the rich sense that it is now, like in the, you know, torn up denim, leather jackets, throwing glass bottles kind of way. <laughs> not and, the good way. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, yeah, illicit substances, this is where they sell them kind of place you know it wasn't doing hot you know there was um 
anyway, it it was it it was basically a, a pretty dumpy area, you know. And it over time, the uh, you know those the artists started coming there, you know. And as you get more artists and musicians coming in there, then that would kind of change the dynamic. It started to become cool, kind of like what we saw. Same similar scenarios in Ferndale, but um, you know. And then you get the uh, the gay population moved in, which we've had this conversation many times. I mean, good for the economy, man. There is like literally nothing better on earth than if you've got a massive contingent of the gay population starts descending on a particular city, you buy in that city. They like nice things and they spend money. And and their design sense is impeccable. And yeah. like, I mean, I don't even know if you're allowed to say stuff like this anymore. Because, I think it's true though. But it's I don't These care. Are compliments. It's straight up true. I think it's okay if it's a compliment. I don't I don't even know the rules yeah, anymore. Fuck them if they're not. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the rules. All I'm saying is that like I like that you know as soon as they show up like everything gets better and that started occurring and then right after that basically that's the that's the gatekeeper for that gentrification and the next thing that moves in is the uh you know then the 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 black finners start showing up, you know, and, 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 and moving up in mass. And then all of a sudden you got, uh, you know, $9 coffee shops and crotch rockets showing up on Thursday night and, yep. you know, eateries and bars. And all of a sudden you're getting 1600 bucks a month for rent when, you know, however many 20 years ago, 15, 20, I don't even know how long, 30 years ago, feels like 20 years ago is not, not far enough. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel like black Finners is a reference to a restaurant. It's a uh, black yeah. fan for those 30% of the podcast is not from Michigan and they're out of country. Okay. So well, it's uh, I want to make sure they don't like lost in the conversation. It's a, I'm not sure what the, what the defining there, there's actually, if you go on, uh, there's a, a series of campaigns for marketing for Michigan called Pure Michigan. And there is uh, a parody group that releases these parody versions of these Pure Michigan commercials. <laughs> and if you go on YouTube and you look up Pure Michigan Royal Oak, this parody group did one, and that will define um, that will <laughs> define what we're talking about now. for you if you're out of state. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, basically, you know, I'm from New Jersey originally, so uh, it's like the entire Jersey Shore. But our Michigan version of that—that's mm. kind of. <laughs> I love. I love when you get angry and you use your Jersey voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my people aren't from the Jersey Shore. We're from the less pleasant North New Jersey that's right. area. Yeah. Yeah, we're from the Frank Sinatra part of New Jersey. Yeah. The, it's a little rougher. A we're little... from the soprano part. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to talk to the union. That's not how that works. Yeah, I know yeah. where Hoffa is. <laughs> I know which pylon in Giant Stadium Hoffa's in. My dad told me. It's over by the Meadowlands. The Meadowlands. I can't even do it justice every time I do it. It's just, I hear it like, man, it's so good. Especially when you get mad, it comes out a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's happened once. <laughs> the in a vein while. on your net, on your head starts going a little bit. <laughs> so you got a lot of cool things going. Now you're still going to do some of the agent stuff. Like you're targeting a particular neighborhood. If I'm not mistaken, it's in Troy, right? It is. Yeah, yeah we're we're so. still working. I mean, we still have a pretty active. I mean, there's still a listing business there, yeah. and the reality is, is that doesn't get interrupted. Um, listing property. There's in the in the retail. We call it the retail agent side, which is the non-investor side. The uh, active marketing of listings is a different business altogether than working with buyers as a buyer's agent. Um, they're basically two totally different personality types, two totally different operating principles. So the listing of property and the sale of property, um, 
is the same. That doesn't change. So we can list property and just as effectively sell it if it's ours as if it's uh, you know someone else's. So in that capacity, we're still operating fully um, because there's no reason not to. We've already got the same machine in place. So it runs. And honestly, the investor side machine works better than the the retail side listing machine only because we're mathematically based. And a lot of the uh, regular listing agents uh, who are on the strict retail side, they're just going to focus on all the, the market ease and the fluff that makes you feel good about yourself. When the reality is, is that 99% of these people are putting listings up on the MLS and they're waiting for people to, you know, <laughs> to buy the house. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. Like houses sell themselves. I mean, the MLS is selling property. There's relatively little difference other than the systems in place between the actual efforts the listing agents are putting in, no matter what they're telling people at the other end. Um, so the reality is, is that we still, we're still pretty effective at that. We've got a really, really good uh, comparative market analysis that has – we had not a single thing under appraise the last two years. Um, so, I mean, that is – because we – I built a really good spreadsheet that does an extraction from the MLS for data, and it literally is generating the same numbers that – uh, appraisers are going to see. So um, in the event that something did under appraisers, we didn't have to deal with. But if it did, we have some proofs that we can actually go and uh, push back against the negative appraisal with. And those typically are not what the CMAs that other listing agents do. Usually what a CMA process is going to be for most retail agents is just going to pull a couple houses that look the same and say, well, this one's for this, this one's for this, you probably get this. And that's not really what we do. It's a much more mathematical process because it's the process we use and determining whether or not we want to purchase these properties ourselves. So obviously we've got a vested interest in making sure all that stuff's real accurate. Cause if it's do you not, break it down by square foot or how, how do you break it down? Well, we have, um, it started with the Bruce Hardy method. Who's a really high producer out on the West coast, Northwest. He's in Seattle. Now he's an expansion agent. That's all over. Uh, he's got four or five different States. He works out of, I think he's the uh, regional director for Keller Williams, Northwest. And uh, in 2009 or 10, uh, I reached out to him because I, it was before I knew I wasn't supposed to just reach out to these huge guys, which I never learned yet, I guess. But um, Wait, you're not supposed to. That's well, that's what most people seem to say. We haven't really listened. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. 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 They, they didn't mind. Well, what he ended up doing was I, cause he had some videos up on KW connect, which is one of our backend things to watch other people's listing presentations. Like, all right, well, this is how, you know, Althea Osborne does hers. This is how Bruce Hardy does his. This is how all these different people do their listing presentations. And I picked the one that I liked, which, is Bruce's because it was based on um, real data. It wasn't based on, you know, all these fluffy ideas of, well, I'm the best agent because I care. I have the, I, you know, I, 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 I have the values for you. I really want to help you find it's a lot of that fluffy stuff as opposed to hard realities that provide a legitimate value. All right, well, these are the numbers that make sense. And this is why this should be priced this way instead of pricing it like this. And I've lost listings that way by giving them legitimate pricing, but then that same house did sit there for 200 days and didn't sell and end up selling closer to what I said because they listed it too high in the first place. So yeah, they can have those ones. They right? bought the listing, yeah. you know? So anyway, I, I found Bruce's video and I was like, I like this, but he had all these papers that were in his package, but you couldn't see those in the video. So I, I emailed him. I was like, 
I really like your pre- your presentation, but do you have any uh, examples of what the paperwork is you're showing them? Because I can't see it. And he said, yeah, no problem. Here's my entire Dropbox folder. He shared the entire drop his entire Dropbox marketing folder with me. And this guy, I don't even know what his numbers are like, but they've got to be. They've got to be huge. They've got to be in the hundreds of millions. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he's massive. So, uh uh, you know, he's he, in five different states. It has to be just fucking enormous. He, had, yeah. he handed me everything and I got to go through it all. And I was just like, wow, this is so the transparency was awesome. You know, um, so I saw what he was what he was kind of generating and and like it was good. But he also had a big machine. So he had the ability to just say, all right, you someone else get all this info. And I don't know what his MLS was. I don't know. That whole side of the planet is different, different state, different data, different everything. So as a computer nerd, um, my answer to most of those questions is to automate things with robots. So <laughs> I basically created a spreadsheet that runs off his general infrastructure, and then I, I hammered it out into something that works for me to the point where I can, uh, within about five minutes, generate these CMAs from uh CSV files that I extract from the MLS. So it starts with a what we call a total market overview where it takes the entire city and breaks out all sales over the last six months according to price point, every $50,000 separated, and gives me uh, trending information as far as actives versus pendings, which gives me a buyer uh, ratio, you know, buy, buy to sell ratio, uh, gives me average list versus average sold. So I have a percentage of variation for how much that could go up or down while still hitting that mean. I get averages for days on market across price points and that gives me and then also the the financing type so how many of those are cash sales va sales you know all that information how much are short sales you know how many of them have basements versus and it's all a quick thing though so um that one sheet gives me an idea for the entire city then from there we narrow it in specifically to the neighborhood within a quarter of a mile over the last 90 days of the subject property um and then it it not it's either it starts as a radius of of a quarter of a mile, but then obviously in, in Michigan, depending on the neighborhood, we might adjust that to be a specific block because you know crossing certain streets could totally change the numbers entirely, and that doesn't work for us. So uh, we might adjust the shape of the map, and that gives us a second pool of data that's more specific, and we generate similar uh, numbers from that. Um, to get an idea of all the different comp scenarios. And then that gets brought over into a net sheet. And the net sheet does a handful of really cool things. It calls out to the public record and gets tax information. Uh, it calls out to our title companies to get uh, real specific numbers for title work based on uh, price points of the different options. And it gives us three pricing scenarios based on a highest uh, sale per square foot, lowest sale per square foot, and then an average median in the middle. And then there's some space for us to do, you know, manually. After that gets auto-generated, which can happen quickly, uh, then I can go in and manually take a look at those things and start making adjustments to make it make more sense, you know. So um, overall, it's been a really effective system that, you know, has consistently given us a really good we bring that and i know some guys are like mike perna just shows up with a blank sheet of paper and draws lines on it and he's awesome and no obviously he's crushing it so and i like mike so it's you know his his method's clearly working but i'm a computer nerd and this is how this is the things that make sense for me so if i can go into uh you know and a lot of my houses that i'm working on i'm working in troy i'm working in areas a lot of engineers in the areas that i'm in so when i go in there and i've got these kind of this kind of information where I can show them, I think your house is worth $280,000 because of this. And you give them all that data when they turn around and they're like, well, I think it's worth three twenty. 
and you just all right well how like you just see how none of these houses are where you're saying that you want another forty dollars a square foot for your house and i'm showing you that this is the number i mean like basically the person has to be very difficult to work with if they can't acknowledge the realities of that scenario right i bet there's people still trying to get you to buy the listing right there right like oh i saw on zillow is like 315 yeah oh yeah there's always that that shows up but i mean the reality is is that all right no like i mean i can't i only get paid when they sell so i mean it doesn't like i mean i get if i was trying to a lot of times agents will take these because they're trying to harvest buyers yeah they're they're, they want to farm buyer leads yeah yeah. so they want that sign out so folks for people listening what that is is they'll take like let's say the house worth 200 but the seller insists you listed at 230 and a lot of agents will take the listing anyway, even though they are very unlikely to sell it, just to put the sign in the yard and to get the calls on the house. Mm-hmm. And when you're not ready for that one or it's pressed, and they go push them to the other houses. So, Basically, that's exactly, yeah. 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 They call in, they're like, well, I want to know about this house you have on whatever. And it's like, okay, well, are you working with an agent? No, I'm not. And immediately, oh, okay, you're not. Okay, well, yeah, let me help you. What yeah. would you like to know? Uh, how much is it? Oh, it's 250 Oh, I'm only pre-approved for 220 Oh, okay, no problem. Let's go look at some for 220 Turns out I have one right down the street for yeah, 220 Yeah, let's go take a look. Yeah. What's better for you, Monday or Tuesday? Yeah. You know, like um, – and that, because that's not really in my model, then I don't do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I did have a team set up with a buyer's agent and admin um, that unfortunately uh, had a medical scenario that ended up not being, it didn't work out. And that's unfortunate. Um, Humans are just messy too, man. It's hard. Biological creatures are gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tommy doesn't like Nietzsche. No, I'm looking forward to replacing all my organs with moving parts from machines. <laughs> You'll live longer. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to make such an awesome cyborg. Yeah, you know who's going to beat us to the punch? I guess he's getting a human kidney, though, so that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. But it's like an upgrade, right? That's that's first step, right? We're going to get Level new one. ones. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna print them on a machine. We're just I watched a TED Talk like that. Yeah. They printed the kidney right while he was it's talking. It's a perfect time to be alive, man. Your kids for sure. We might just miss it. I don't know. We might catch the end of it or the I beginning will live forever. Yeah, <laughs> Our, your kids, man. They're they're gonna they're gonna have all that stuff. They're gonna like print eyeballs and shit. Well, yeah, if, they, if we have enough rentals and they can afford it. Yeah, yeah that's what it comes down to. What, are you saying there's gonna be no uh, Obama eyeballs? <laughs> Obama eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be bigger than the uh, that's something stomachs. i enjoy getting on facebook and seeing again how everybody got butt fucked by obamacare and how they can't even afford even you can't even fucking afford to insure their family but fear not feet people people who don't have any money are well taken care of so uh, let's not do that yeah i know i'm I had just to gonna get Ajita. yeah still <laughs> piss me the fuck off i can't afford Ajita right now yeah. i don't have the insurance <laughs> The heartache. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so you got some shit going on, man. You're busy. So, yeah. No, yeah. it's it's everything's going really good. And I mean, I'm I, like I said, I'm really lucky. The big thing right now is this adjustment is everything that I've ever really wanted was to create a structure where this is a family business. Um, I've always loved starting companies. I've done. I've. I mean, I've owned a lot of them. I mean, at least. Uh, at least a dozen companies over the last however many years. And he flipped code to a big Fortune 100 company. A couple, so, yeah. yeah. It was it was it was two pretty good pretty good transitions there. Um, 
But, uh, you know, now having something that my kids can, as they get older, get involved in, because I am nervous about the shape of what the workforce is going to look like. I think we've got this uh, dynamic that we've constructed here in the world where we have told everybody they have to just spread out and do their own thing and disappear and have their own. I hate to do it, but I fucking have to do it. Sorry, man. Did you see the Washington Post article? Which Washington Post? Are you going to narrow it down? New York City is now going to fine you if somebody defines their pronouns and you don't use their pronouns, you're going to be correctly, you're going to be fined. Specifically, they or her are higher, but it's with an I instead of an E. Don't fucking ask me why. So, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty worried too. Because now we got the um, you know language policing as well. Well, the, when I lived in New York City, it was in the height of the crack epidemic in the Lower East Side and Hell's Kitchen, and people were walking around in the street with AK-47s. <laughs> so, so clearly, things have changed. Clearly, things have changed. Yeah, yeah, they've and, gone, uh, uh, gone a little pussyfied, man. Well, yeah, whatever. I don't care anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to start referring to myself in the third. Tommy is only going to talk about himself in the third person from here on out. Tommy likes money. Tommy will only talk to other people who yeah. refer to him as Tommy. My as point well. being is I'm concerned, too. So I don't think I think your concerns are probably well founded. For well, multiple I, I mean, reasons. I don't really know. Like what the, the sales pitch always was is you can do anything. You go to school, get these degrees, go off into the world, do your own thing. And the reality is, is that I don't know how much it's actually benefited families or groups. I mean, I know a ton of people. My family included, my my New Jersey side of the family, where they're all over the country. We're spread everywhere. We don't have any of the infrastructure in place. And it's like, well, why am I trying to push my kids out of my house? Like, why am I? Why are we not working together in some capacity? I mean, if they want to do things outside of us, and they have all the freedom to do so, but the reality is, is that it kind of makes a little bit of sense to band up, put your backs together, and push forward into this new world that we're uncertain about, as opposed to just grasping at this wonderful idea they put out that we're all going to individually shoot off into space and build our wonderful life as a, a cat photographer because that was our passion in life you know who's great at this immigrants yeah fucking immigrants that's are how great we all this. got over yeah. I mean, that's how we got my wife's family came over here these some ride Poland. or die motherfuckers and you better ride because you might have died but you got ahead as a family. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what. And that's Whole still families were pulled out of poverty this way. It's still what's happening. And that's why, I mean, the, who's who are the ones that are having these debates about the shape of America and how things are? It's not the immigrants. <laughs> no, they don't give a fuck. It's not the Chaldean families yeah. that are kicking ass. They're eating it's up not, your market share. Yeah. It's not the, the Mexican families coming over here doing all this stuff that yep. are putting their. I mean, how many Eastern European families are putting their their whole family together, building up these huge businesses and rolling hard? I mean, I'm selling houses to people in Troy that are not the quote unquote conventional American, and they're showing up with good money, cash money that they earn from their businesses, and all these uh, you know conventional quote unquote Americans, the traditional WASPy Americans, they're all the ones working. You're going to these. They're the ones going to the gas station. They'll drive away making fun. All these fucking. All these. Oh yeah. They'll they'll make fun of them. All they do is own gas stations. Yeah. I think no. You just yeah. They own the gas stations because they're smart. Just see their bank account too. They're smart, (laughs) you know. And then they they keep reinforcing each other and they they pay into each other. They help. I mean, we we did a lot of business for Happy's Pizza when I had the screen print job. God, I love fucking Happy's. They blew up from when I met them. There was it was just a handful of cousins. 
And they blew that thing apart. They had two. I think they just opened their second store. They blew it up. It's hood as fuck, but the pizza is so good. I, I don't even. I can't even describe it. It's it's it, so uniquely Detroit too. It, it very much is. It, you you've never had pizza like this in your entire life. It very much is. Yeah. And I talk about hardcore. Those guys would be walking around our shop, swearing into the phone, yelling at people, and it's like shit. This is pizza. Motherfucker, <laughs> yeah. cut somebody about a pizza. They are. <laughs> and and but they they won. Yeah. You know, so like uh, with all the shit that's being said about all the immigrant populations right now, like I personally think that they are not uh, that they're 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 a benefit. Like the, the ones who are fighting it out like that and banding up and pulling their families together. It depends who you are. If you're all if you're on the low end and you have no skills mm-hmm. and you're in poverty, you don't like immigrants because they are competition and they're going to work. And their, they're whipping your ass. And too. they're whipping your ass. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a hard reality is that they're good. Yes. I it, mean, anybody who's done any rehabs and had to compete a handful of low end trailer trash drywallers compared to a handful of low end Mexican team drywallers. Yep. I mean, Good let's luck. get real, bro. Or stucco, Jesus. You ever let's, seen a Mexican team? Let's get real. That's I watched a team of five Amazing. Mexicans show up in a house and do a week and a half worth of work in two hours and they barbecued dinner while they were there. And they sang. Yeah, and they didn't not a fucking problem amongst them. They shut up and they did it. And like honestly, my one of my biggest pushes. I want to learn Spanish. I want my kids to learn Spanish. It's the language of the future, man. Shit, man. At least in North America. I I I don't know. I know that's a contentious scenario at the moment, but you know, I don't know. It's also reality. As of 2050, they will be the majority, according to the. um, census so it's i mean the area that i grew up in was so uh diverse as far as populations that it's not an abnormality to me i I never had the experience of everything being totally like you know one i mean we're talking about you know the east coast right <laughs> this you know, new jersey new york these places are completely different one block one block one block all totally different places you know and uh the areas that i grew up in uh we had a, a house in north bergen new jersey that entire area now is one 100 percent hispanic speaking like completely in every way and it's not all the same it's not from one group there's a el salvadorian area it is a dominican area it is but i mean at the end of the day this is a hispanic area and those areas union city north bergen um and union city i think is still the most densely populated city in the world if i'm not correct if i'm not mistaken and it's really small it's only like a mile i mean i don't know geez they, they, they got them stack like cordwood through there they i mean it's just the density over there they did it by population density they broke the cities up so at the end of the day um you can drive a mile and a half and have gone through two cities three cities because they just stack them up so much um i just i'm just interested to see if it's still yeah is. no google it that's something i'm worried about i don't understand how any, anybody isn't worried about it if you have children or even for your career because i'm looking at my career into the future mm-hmm and whether we like it or not, technology cuts both ways, and it has done nothing but increase competition mm-hmm. and improve things, too. And and the pace at which it's increasing is amazing. Yeah. And with immigration and globalization, whether you like it or not, it's free trade. It's happening. It's mm-hmm. happening all the time. It's happening at a faster rate. Um, there are a lot of hungry kids in China and India going to outwork these American and, and, and pretty much kiss goodbye to Western Europe already, except for maybe England, you know, like oh, very much so England too, I think. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, they, they don't have, they don't understand how lucky we were so lucky to have Mexico. 
we can ride this for a lot longer. We can import this cheap labor, which is a boost to the economy, and they don't have that in Europe, and China has it. By, well, they do. They by have the, the version of it. Kinda. They've got Poland. Uh, that would be a little their, bit. That yeah. would be their equivalent. Um, uh, and they've they've got, uh, they, they, but there there's still higher skill levels in the Eastern European countries than they would have in the imports that they're getting from, uh, you know, some of the other areas. They're getting a lot of basically the uh, Middle East, yeah, Middle East and Africa. Um, they're getting a lot of that, and they're they're not they don't have as much skilled trades that yeah. is coming in, whereas the Eastern European countries do. So, well, we're lucky. Um, we're just sitting on a, just an enormous millions mm-hmm. of Mexicans willing to work for practically nothing and yeah. hard. How yeah. good that is. However, for our children, this is this could be a problem because their kids grow up and learn how to code. These immigrants that band together and pull whole families out of poverty, go into businesses. These are the people we're going to be competing against, which I don't mind at all. I say bring it. But what I don't understand is how people keep doing the same thing. They just keep doing I the see same shifting thing. though. Like, I mean, like with the, the educational concept is very bizarre at the moment because I'm, I mean, watching my children go through the supposed best schools, uh, and the best public schools in the state, um, underwhelmed is the only word that I can come <laughs> Under, up with. Well, yeah. <laughs> and that's the nicest way that yeah. I can put it. Um, sending them to school and watching what they're doing and coming home with and talking about. And uh, and it's not any reflection on the teachers because these teachers, the people who are working in the infrastructure, some of the best people I've ever met. But if you're... Uh, you know, if you're a fish and your job is to climb trees, it doesn't matter, you know, how great of a fish you are. You're not climbing any nope. trees because the, the problem is, is the game that you're playing sucks for you. And the reality is, is that the infrastructure in which these very, very good people are operating is intrinsically flawed. Um, there is almost no reason for my kids to be learning 90% of what they're learning. Um, not, I mean, that's not even to get into the ridiculousness of common core and all the, you know, the ideas that none of this stuff, uh, is, is working the way it's supposed to. Um, but there's no need for it to even exist in the first place. Like, I mean, the reality is, is that, I mean, I know, I know, and I'm a computer nerd and I went to college, so this isn't like, you know, some, you know, angry mechanic who never did nothing that's pissed (laughs) you know i've got some opportunity to see i was involved in some really good programs at mit and i've done you know uh courses at stanford like i mean i've been lucky in a lot of different ways and and dude what they're they're, it's pointless like i mean the reality is is what the kids should be learning how to do almost exclusively is communicate yeah like exclusively my kids should already know one or two languages in school that's all they should have done my kid my, my my seventh grader should know should be fluent in Spanish and should be fluent in Mandarin. That's, and that's what all I was going to say. Yep. For Spanish the first, and Mandarin. The first two years, yep. the first, uh, you know, the first beginning years of his life. And then after he gets into, uh, you know, higher education, then you can start pushing some of the higher level concepts on him. The reality is, is that there's no need for him to have spent. They spent seven years learning how to divide fractions. It's like, well, you know what? We got spreadsheets. Like if I actually spent time dividing fractions as a part of my job, instead of knowing the premise of dividing fractions and putting that in one of my spreadsheets, I should get fired because that's stupid. Yeah. People worry about that, but then 
calculators do it too. Like, come on, man. Like, I, they used to tell me in, in class when I was a kid in Catholic school, say, like, well, what happens when you're not around a calculator? So, like, okay, well, then I'm on a desert island, and the last yeah. thing I need is to do is divide. Now fractions. I got one. Now I have an entire, I have an app that is a financial calculator. I that, couldn't, yeah. I, I've never been within five <laughs> feet of not having a calculator my whole life, even yep. when I'm camping. So, I mean, like, <laughs> camping calculator. You know, people literally go on vacation to get away from their goddamn calculators now. And it's so, I mean, like the whole infrastructure that they're pushing is inappropriately preparing my children to do anything useful whatsoever. Uh, the only thing that they're learning right now that's going to, it gives me solace that they're going to be safe is the things that we're teaching them. The, the fact that they can go on job sites, that they understand the difference between an asset and a liability, that they understand that the concept of their income is so they can acquire income-producing assets. The point of their capital is to purchase things that throw off money, not so they can buy toys that they want. If they want a particular toy, they find something else that can get them the toy that they want, while at the same time retaining the original capital that they would have used to buy that. So um, the that whole concept, that is non-existent, not just at the low levels here, but all the way up the food chain, there are kids that are, you know, get, you know, degrees in economics that don't understand that core premise to the point where I know educated people who have sat down and listened to like a Robert Kiyosaki book who then have turned around and, and, you know, after listening to three hours of explaining how this thing works to be like, that's bullshit. None of that works. It's like, okay. Okay. Well, that's why you and everyone, you know, make $60,000 a year and we do $60,000 on a deal. A single one. Yeah. You know, and it's like at a certain point, you start to mentally deviate from people that don't share your worldview in that way because you have less and less to in common with them. You have less and less to say, you know, when you can go hang out with a guy like Josh and talk about the plane that you want to buy because you're actually going to get a plane. It, it, it makes it very difficult to then go back and talk to a bunch of, you know, buddies from back in the day who don't have that in their head at all. And they're, they're, you know, they're just stoned or drunk in the middle of the weekday. And they're complaining about how the world sucks so hard. And it's like, I don't see the world sucking like that. I see things as looking pretty good. Dude, I was in a house yesterday, tenant occupied tenant comes home to let me in so I can take pictures. Now it is one o'clock in the afternoon, but it was a fucking Tuesday, you know, drunk. I'm like, come on, man. Like, this is, I don't even understand. Like, hey, I want everybody to have a good time, you know? I'm pretty sure you have things to do, or you should, on a 1 p.m. on Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? I try not to be judgy, but at the same time, I'm being a little judgy, man. This explains why you're in a house in Detroit in, in this situation, sleeping on fucking air mattresses, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Put some of that alcohol money to mattress money, son, you know? Just or, throwing it out there. Get a job. I don't know. I just, and I get to, I'm sure there's plenty of social justice equivalents of why everything I've said is wrong and I'm horribly privileged and everything all is, you know, everything bad is occurring. You know, it's yeah. all my fault. But at the end of they the day, they should watch the National Geographic channel a lot more. I, I think I, that would clear a lot of that shit right <laughs> up. You know, I, I just see too many people that crush it from too many different yes. walks of life because of mindset and because of their focus that it's very difficult for me to, uh, you know, I guess vibe with a lot of that. Well, Joe calls it top grading and it's something I've been doing pretty heavy the last top year. Grading? Top grading. So you top grade lots of things. You top grade your knowledge, you top grade your skills. 
But you also top grade talent. You top grade your friends. No, what, what do you your mean family? by that? Scrape off just the best. No, yeah, you you keep bringing in smarter and better people into your life who hold you more accountable and make you smarter and better and more productive. Mm-hmm. And then just naturally, by top grading, is just things fall off. You know so, that I can, uh, and, that's and that could phrase. very easily be you. you that's know? a like very if, great phrase. Then yes, that's what I'm experiencing yes. myself at the moment. Well, we're in the prime time of life for this too. You know, like we're we're starting to separate ourselves from the pack and it's, it's a little bit more obvious who's going to make it and who's not, you know, and the beginning of the race, you're not sure everybody's running out in front. Maybe you stopped and partied for a little bit, but you get about halfway through. You're like, or well, I guess we're a third of the way through. Tommy's going to live forever <laughs> with machines, but you're like a third of the way through. It's becoming a little bit more obvious now. Um, what's successful and what's not. I, I think I was very, uh, you know, I grew up in a socialist house with a union leader father who, uh, one of my major premises was that it was part of my, uh, role and responsibility to bring the whole grade along, you know, and the reality is, is after, uh, years and years of doing that, the weight of, uh, the killerism of pushing a rope, you know, became overwhelming. And after enough, uh, studying of some of the like recruit select and some Keller systems and talking to guys like Joe, who, just has a much better perspective because Joe was a competitor. Uh, he was a competitive wrestler and like, I was never in any of that world. So, you know, seeing people who are, you know, and Steve guys that are like used to the competition and they get rid of the people who aren't competitive rapidly because they're just not making their grade. And that wasn't something I was exposed to. And I, it was countermandatory to my normal operating paradigm where, and then I realized I was like, well, the reality is, is that I still can have all of these relationships with the, the top notch people. Like I don't have to lose out on the relationship side of things, but I also don't have to drag along uh, dead weight either. Like, yeah, no, I mean, they got, they got to, they got to pull their own weight. As soon That's as you let go goes. of the rope, yep. what happens is, is, other people show up in your world to fill all that space. So all the exact same, you get the exact same uh, benefit, but you just get it from other people who are more in your world. Like Dude, I we're mean, fucking diving deep. I got myself into all this shit with the lawsuits and everything else like that because I surrounded myself with fucking thieves and losers. That's, Th- yeah. that's the reality of the situation. And yeah. guess what? You hang around fucking thieves. No, I didn't think they were thieves and losers, but they were fucking thieves and losers. No, it's like a hoarder house. When you're living in it, you don't notice it's a hoarder house. Yeah. It takes an outside person to walk in and be like, what the fuck is wrong with your house? Before you even you're like, well, I didn't know you're not supposed to have newspaper stacked on your stove because you, you live in it long enough. And you're just like, that's normal. So you don't think that's all that weird. It takes somebody from the outside to point at it and be like, and for me, it was Sherry Swift was the first one where she was just like, she start, she she's our productivity coach here at Keller Williams royal oak and she showed up on my shoulder as this ethereal you know <laughs> she's aggressive yeah she's like this awesome like barbarella chick she needs and, like a seven foot sword or something yeah, totally yeah she's red sonia but she uh basically she showed up as a little angel on my shoulder and i'm sitting there at a house uh you know with these people and, and they're you know everybody's either i forget what they're drinking smoking weed doing something and we're talking about you know things we want and goals and stuff like that. And I'm just looking and she shows up on my shoulder in my mind, like freaking Obi-Wan Kenobi. And she just like, tell me what the hell are you doing here with these, doing this with these people? Like, this is not, this is none of this is what you're, and it's not. And it was, it was, she, that little, she didn't really say it, but my version of her said it, she was right. There was no point. And as soon as I stopped doing that, then who filled up 
who showed in it was Dylan Borland shows up and and Josh Sterling shows up and Joe Delia show up and you show up and Jeff Rabinowitz shows up and all these other people that are in my mission that are running towards the same things that I want show up. We get all of the same benefits, all the same good time, all the same camaraderie, all the same relationship, but it's mutually beneficial. There's no crabs in my bucket pulling on me anymore. That's the important part. And that's what I was going to get to is I think a lot of people fail exactly because of this. They have the drive. They have the determination and they feel like you felt like they have to drag these people along behind them, you know, mm, it's a weird moral. Yeah. Something like they're forced to it. Like they can't get rid of it. Like it's their obligation when really your only obligation is to yourself. And if you have children to, mm-hmm. to your children, yeah. right to my family, to my genetic lineage yep. here, I'm the end result of this biological process. It's billions of years old. If I just end it now, broke and stupid yeah. it's like that's pretty horrible failure just way to go millions yeah. of years of genetic evolution like, a stable tooth tiger. this is what you do huh huh this is what you, you do all you had to do was get up and make a phone call that's all you had to do i punched a tiger in the mouth so you could live <laughs> when you say it like that it's a hard argument to avoid right like well, I mean, in comparison true. it's a piece of cake well, and I guess it's where it comes from, though, is the idea that back then that would be the pack. Yeah. You know, everybody in the cave, we got to help everyone out. We're not in the cave anymore. We've no. got the ability to reach out and find people that are that are on our mission. I got this picture of a wolf, you know, wolf pack on my wall as to surround yourself with those that are on the same mission as you. And that has now become a guiding concept. And, uh, you know, I guess top grade as my version of that, you know, and, and, and the people who are in that mission, you know, we got more shit to talk about anyway. I mean. I don't know. I think Gina, Gina said something to me. I think it's appropriate here that just, she said it like a month or two ago and she didn't say it in a good way, but I just, I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> she said, Jeremy, I, I always get it wrong. I don't just want to talk about money, work, farm and fuck. And I was like, you said that like it's a bad thing. I'm going to put that on a shirt. <laughs> yes. That's a hashtag. If I ever heard it. Now she thinks it's funny, but she was really frustrated. Just imagine keeping up with me. Just try. Just have some sympathy for her, folks. I'm not throwing her under the bus. She was having a long, long week, and I buried her and shit up to her eyeballs and all that. But yeah, that's at the same time. That's all I want to hang out. That's all the people I want to hang out with. You know. Well, and actually, in the moment, I'm very lucky in that because that's what where my family is. That's where my wife is at. Is that's what she wants to talk about. We have our fun, whatevers too. But like. They're really close laterals, like our big entertainment. I mean, this is the lamest, not lame. I don't think it's lame, but this is like, this is our, we don't watch TV. We don't have cable. We don't do any of that. We're not really into that planet. But when we go to bed, we put the kids to bed and we lay in our bed and watch on our laptop. We'll watch shows. We watch freaking woodworking videos on YouTube, you know, about how like shops that we want to build and lay out for our house. And like, that's just like our thing. You know, and it's like, that's not really directly related to our industry, but it's real close. Oh, yeah. I know it's a future, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you have a common goal. Yeah. yeah and and it's just like it. an immersion. It's like when you learn a language, you immerse yourself yeah. in it. You marry it, according to Sherry Swift. You want to get into real estate. You hear these part-time agents. I want to, I want to do it part-time until I graduate college, and then I'm going to be a physical therapist. Like, okay, well, don't waste your time. Yes, yeah, You got to marry this if you want to do it. You're not going to show up and make any money if you're just like, yeah. But, and that's like, I'm, we're immersed in this whole concept now and having her on board has really changed my uh my, i guess my my focus on what we're specifically creating so yeah it's been it's been uh 
It's been good, man. I agree with everything you said. Yeah, top grade your life, motherfuckers. That's another hashtag right there, too. And a shirt, <laughs> joedelia.com. No, that doesn't so are we going to have to make an online shirt store here at some we point? We might. Yeah. We might. I have had requests for shirts, but like I have a fucking spare moment. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know necessarily what a request for shirt actually translates. I tend to be very skeptical of because there's wishes and then there's what really happens. What I'm afraid is I I think I'm going to wait till like 100 people are begging for a shirt. I've got I've got some. We'll talk after the show. Yeah. I've got some infrastructure we can talk about. <laughs> don't encourage uh, print on demand. Yeah. Don't do nothing. You don't know, encourage them. them I got yeah. it. So. So. I get I, I get to keep wolves heed not the bleeding of sheep. Though. Hell yeah, that's yours. Hey, I, I put it as your quote. It's done deal now. I Googled it. I couldn't find anything close. It's, it's there's a Latin version of it, but it's I translated it. Hey, I only it. speak English, so, so that's good. Yeah. You're good as far as the English Googles are going. I'm pretty sure it's outside the statute of limitations for copyright if it was written in a couple thousand 30, years. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty AD. Yeah. Almost two thousand years. You got that done. So tell me about this um prefab thing you're looking at or i don't know if you're ready to talk this about is that. pretty interesting actually yeah. this has been uh a prefab for those who don't yeah, know say, yeah. uh prefabricated uh manufactured housing is a process by which uh basically the entire house is built in a factory under control conditions in pieces referred to as boxes it is then shipped and assembled on site where some finishing work takes place uh these prefab houses can be completed up to almost 90 95 percent done we're talking carpets in paint on walls counters down tile done Finished houses, uh, fixtures in place, electrical run, everything is done. So uh, there's a handful of scenario, there are a handful of things that still need to be dealt with. Basically, uh, you know, you still have to prep the site, you have to build the foundation, you have to run utilities to the site, all that uh, preemptive work uh, still needs to be done. Uh, garages also still need to be constructed because they're not cost effective to do in the factory. Um, but by and large, the entire thing is assembled uh off-site and installed. Now, um, there's a couple standards. Uh, you know, it might sound like, oh, those are those trailer houses that are manufactured, and that is uh, that's partially correct, but not totally. There's two standards they could be built to. One is HUD standard, which is a federal standard, which is what most people think of when they think of like a double wide, uh, you know, or that kind of manufactured house that looks different. The other is built to state standard, which is the exact same process as we would build on site. It, literally, the exact same thing is happening. The only difference is is that it's being done by people who do the same job every day. So framers who frame the same walls every day in climate controlled scenarios, upright with all their equipment tools sitting there and all of the materials have been pre-cut perfectly. So you're talking about a much higher level of quality um, because the consistency is there. Um, On top of that, uh, they have code, uh, the inspectors on site. So literally every single part of the process is done. You know, normally when you build a house, you have to, it's done in phases. So you're going to build uh, the foundation. Then you have the inspector come out and he does a foundation inspection. Then you'll do the rough work and you'll put up the, the flooring and the framing. The inspector has to come out and check that. All right, it's good. Then you can move on to the next part. You start putting in rough plumbing, rough utilities, rough electrical. Uh, that gets inspected. Then the uh, drywall goes on, final inspection. So so it's it's and each one of those things one has to occur after the other in order to so it's a sequential process whereas when they're building in a factory all of those things can happen at the same time so while you 
are on site building the foundation, and that's being done over however many weeks. They're already constructing the house in the factory. Uh, the inspector is walking through each step with them uh, so they know, hey, all right, yeah, it passed its framing, and now it's passed its – because they're seeing it as it's being constructed. So the, every part is already being passed. So the speed is much, much faster that all of this happens at. Um, the the factory that I am now an official builder for Ritzcraft, uh, I just got the word last week, and Wednesday, actually, I get my access to begin. So, Boom. There so, you yeah, go. He's going to come here, and it's – I mean, this is a – Ritzcraft has been around for 70 years, I think. they got three facilities. Facilities. Uh, one of them is in Michigan, so I don't even have to ship out of the state. Um, it's in Jonesville, Michigan. So uh, my my buildings will be coming from there. Uh, they also own their own cabinet company, so they build all their cabinets in house, which is awesome. Uh, all of it adds up to. I mean, they, that particular facility produces a house a day. So that's the speed. Now, it's not our house. We don't order a house and it's done that day. I'm just saying their throughput is that. On average, uh, right now, I think they're building out at eight weeks for a completed house on site. So while you're doing your foundation work, they're building the other house. Your inspection for foundation is done. House gets shipped, dropped on site. The first day that it shows up and it gets craned into position, you have a full thermal envelope. So the house is sealed and basically done the first one day, one day installation. And then what needs to be done is some finishing work for the drywall inside on what they call the marriage wall. So all the walls where the pieces get joined together and they get bolted together, then you have to seal up where all that you know, all that occurs. And then, uh, any, any extra work that would be inhibitive, uh, of when they're trying to move it because they're basically like moving think of shoe boxes yeah, on, yeah. on a trailer bed. They literally assemble it on the trail on the bed of a trailer. And then, you know, they, they bring it from site to site. Uh, so you have to put the porch on separate. You have to, if there's going to be a detached garage or an attached garage that has to be built separate. Uh, so those, the, those things still have to be done. Um, but I mean, the reality is, is you're talking timelines that are considerably shorter, uh, and cost is lower. Um, it's not significant too, right? So in some ways it's significantly lower, but it depends on lot acquisition costs and things like that. Uh, it's not. It's not going to be like some crazy half price scenario, but I mean, I have seen numbers that are 70, 80% lower depending on what you're doing to the house specifically. Um, But the biggest deal is the speed and the lack of tradesmen. So one of the biggest deals that you have to That's deal a huge with. thing, yeah. Yeah, it's, anybody who's, who's built a house knows you have a lot of trades. Even rehab a house, mm-hmm. a lot of coordination, a lot of people don't show up. And if somebody doesn't money. show up, then what happens, right? Yep. Like, well, You're the framer's screwed. not here, so the electrician's pushed back because the framer didn't frame the wall, so the electrician can't. So that gets eliminated. So you don't have any of that. So you know that if they say, hey, we're going to deliver, the house is going to be done October 31st. There is no October 32nd. (laughs) It's done on October 31st. There is now. That's going to show up. It's Tommy's day. That's that's always when the trades are going to be there on the 32nd. Yeah. Yeah, No problem. Be there at uh, 9 a.m. Basically, like that, that, um, that, that consistency really saves you. And, and the, there's no coordination. Like you're not the one that's calling all those individual trades. Um, you're, you're just talking to your rep at, at, you know, at Ritzcraft or whatever. Um, uh, you can't, not everybody can order right from the factory. They, they, they do it with a builder. So like, uh, you know, I'm a builder for them. So anybody else who wants to do a prefab comes to me. I'm the one who acts as the GC on the ground that coordinates all of the parts and talks to Ritzcraft and gets everything organized. Um, 
But I mean, at the end of the day, like uh, from the investor side, uh, you know, I've got a couple models. One model is that I'm going to be putting in new single family, small single family in blue collar communities, 1200 square foot houses, three bedroom, one and a half bath. Um, I could stamp those things out left and right. I mean, you buy three lots in a row. You call up the factory, say, I need three of these exact same houses, Put make this one blue, that one white, this one beige. They put the siding on. One day, you have a truck come out, pour three, three foundations. You know, so the, 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 to being able to make it systemic, to systematize the process of deploying these things is really where the power lives uh, because you don't, there's no, if it rains, it doesn't matter. And these look like real houses now, don't they? Like, you can't tell the difference. Yeah. I mean, you literally can't. Some uh, people think they think like the 80s with the single wide and the double wide and then the 90s with the manufactured home. That's what they're talking about, HUD standard houses. This, and we're talking about Star are. Trek shit now, right? Like These fucking, are, they're, yeah. they're no different. You can't tell the difference. Yeah. When you're in one, I mean, the ones that, uh, I mean, that they, they can build anything, but I mean, a lot of what we're doing is off the shelf plans that they've already got designed because why reinvent, you know? Shit. Depending on the fucking builder, it might be better. Oh shit! Yeah, no, yeah. I promise the construction's yeah. better because yeah. I mean these are already. Uh, how, I mean, if you build one house one time, it's going to be one level of quality. If you build one house four hundred and seventy-two times, is it going to be better than if you built it the one time or not? Yeah, I mean these people and they improve not, their process every time. I'm sure. Yeah, right? and the guys who are doing it, like there's a guy I was watching him that the whole time I was there, this guy just made ducts, heating ducts, and he had a rack. He had. 20-foot heating duct runs, 10-foot heating. He had had them all done, and that's what he did all day. He stamped the steel out. Do you think that guy's going to make better duct? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is he going to be better at it than the guy that's like... Basically, a month there is like a year anywhere else. Exactly. He's going to be good fast. Every one of them's perfect because he's got... And all of his tools are there. He knows what he's going in to do that day. He's done it. He did it yesterday. He's going to do it again. Like So, I mean, the, the... each one of those guys is just way more solid. They actually have to punch additional holes in the building because the envelope's so tight that the uh, there's no air gapping in any of these buildings because they build them perfect. All the things come cut. They they build the 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 ceilings. They drywall the ceilings on the ground. And they just walk on them. They glue them down. They screw them in. And then a machine picks the whole thing up and flips it upside down and makes it into. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Like, of course, it's going to be better than the guy who's on yep. a trolley, like Michelangelo. Holding it up there. All yep. day long on screws. Taking forever, too. Yeah. yeah. So which one's going to be better? Which one's going to, you know, I mean, it's just it's just a better process. So I like the speed, too, because that reduces your risk in the market, right? Sure. Because the quicker you, because, man, new builds are the first thing to get hit. Sure. New construction starts, permits stop. Mm-hmm. And then they're the first, them and re- retail commercial just get gutted. Decimated. Yeah. yeah. So if you have speed, your risk is going to be le- you're significantly less. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's something that we're pretty excited about, and I imagine it's going to take on. Uh, it's going to start to become a fairly large part of our uh, of our model. You know that uh, we didn't really talk about it as part of the initial idea, but that is definitely acquiring the vacant lots. And one of the cool things too with a lot of that is you don't necessarily have to put any cash in the game to start out. So if you've got anybody out there, if they've got vacant lots in certain areas that they might want to be open to putting an option on. There you go. So they don't even have to do anything. If so, Cause it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to sell a vacant lot. I mean, you have to have somebody that's willing to build. And if you've got one in a middle of a suburb in Madison Heights, I mean, there's not a whole ton of people that are probably itching to grab that. I mean, if it's in maybe, you know, high end area in Rochester or something, it's different. But I mean, if you've got one at 12 in Van Dyke in a little sub, I mean, it could, 
could be hard to get rid of that lot. However, if you want to put an option on it and say, hey, we'll list this lot on the MLS with a picture of this house on it and say, hey, this is to be built. So anybody who wants to bring the offer in, you could get a buyer for the house before you've built it. So at that point, the risk is kind of not there significantly lower. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you, and you've got, because you're, you know, none of this overhead is on us. So, um, you know, we've got the flexibility then to, uh, to move with the market. We don't have to make the adjustments because they're not, it's not sitting on our shoulders. And this particular vendor that we've been with, they've been in the game 70 years. So, I mean, this was something that happened much more often back in the day. Um, but it kind of fell off the radar a little bit. Uh, and there's still, a, I mean, when you see these facilities, it's surprising that there's in your head at first, you're like, I don't know. There was enough business for one of these facilities to exist. And then you realize that there's like a lot of them, dude. <laughs> Last time I checked people fuck when people fuck, they have more. We save more people every year. So, I mean, cause it's just some basic math, right? Like you need a certain number of houses for the new people. Yeah. And then you got old houses falling off. Some could be refurbished. Some you got to demo and pull down. Some are functionally obsolescent, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, no. And especially if accurate. you start looking at corridors, that's one of the reasons why it attracted me to this area was real estate prices are so low, but we got the Chicago Detroit corridor, which by the time I'm dead, is going to be a fucking mega city. Probably. For sure. Yeah. Right. It's going to be like a big anthill of humans. Boss from, switch. Right? Yeah. Isn't for five and a half hours between Chicago and Detroit. It might even take 12 hours in or maybe shorter. Some one of Elon Musk little hyperloop. It's going yeah. to take like 28 minutes. 20 Futurama minutes to go style. right there. Yeah. So my, my point is there's going to be a lot less trees and a lot more humans and a lot more houses. Yeah. Unless, you know, we got, kind of got this plague thing under control, right? That could, that could, <laughs> that could set us back. <laughs> I think Europe lost like a quarter of its population or something. That would destroy your economy and ruin your housing. Yeah, you wouldn't need it. I guess then. it depends what quarter yeah, it lost. That's true. <laughs> I think it was pretty indiscriminate. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely if you're poor, you had a harder time, so... Well, that's pretty cool. So that'll be something you'll be doing yeah. this year or next that's year? Now. Now. That's now. Right now. We're, that's uh, something we, we've already been working on it for, but I mean, the actual process, because you got to think, they, uh, like the, the this factory refers to itself as our largest subtrade, basically, is what they how they refer to themselves about to us, the builders. Um, but they put a lot of... Um, there's a lot of vetting that has to happen for me as a builder by them, because think about what they're putting on the line here like they're basically uh having me market their product through me while having i mean you know what i mean there's oh, yeah, so yeah. many and we're talking about you know hundred thousand dollar products that they're putting they're starting i mean they have to make sure that the, the vendors that they're working with are legit we got the insurances we need we have all that stuff and that process took a very long time so um it took us quite a while to get through all that vetting and now that's what's now complete um so yeah that. Huge risk on their part, right? Because you go out, they already have, I'm sure, image problems because people hear it, they think 90s manufactured home. And they got well, they some- don't sell direct to anybody. So they literally only, they exclusively sell That's a through, smart move, just yeah, through they, builders. Yeah. They're a wholesaler. Yeah. They wholesale in a different way, wholesale houses. Well, same way. They're just actually making them, you know? Yeah. Well, there's also one other weird nuance to that in that um, until it's installed on site, it's not real estate. It's a product. So until the moment that it joins, you can't get a mortgage on them. 
You can't, I mean, the regular financing vehicles don't work. No, I mean, nothing, they, they have to rely on us to actually have done. It's an extreme version of personal property, right? That's true. And yeah. literally what they'll do is they'll, unless it, unless all the financing's cleared, is they will hover that house over the foundation. And then they're on the phone making sure, is everything clear? Is everything good? Because the second that they join that property to the house, now it's real estate. It's a fixture. And at that point, if they're not paid, they have to foreclose on the property to get their money. They don't get, they don't, they can't just invoice you. They can't, I mean, they, they're now, they're, now they're foreclosing on real estate. It's REO property at that point. So there's, there is so a six month redemption in Michigan. That's why they're careful. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All that stuff becomes a factor. So they have to be very, very careful. Um, and we understand that and that's fine. You know, that doesn't affect us. Um, and we also have kind of a different model because a lot of what we're doing is we're buying the houses and putting them there. We're not necessarily, uh, like the conventional builder model for them, which would be a builder that says, I'm a custom home builder. Let me find a client who wants to build a house. And then they go find a lot. And then they go find a lot of these houses. We're going to be buying ourselves, putting on site on site and selling a spec. Mm. So, yeah, that's going to be cool, man. The future's bright. Is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? We're at an hour and 40 minutes. How much, how much time do we got all the time in the world, all the time in the world. Yeah. If we have the time, uh, I don't know. We covered a lot of really good stuff. We did, but that's why I always ask because there might be something in the back. I think I covered the uh, update on what you're doing, your capital thing, your prefab. Um, Tommy it's, buys houses. That's pretty much you com. got. I mean, I think we got a lot of it. Fucking I mean, nailed it. We got. A, I don't think we we covered. We've, we both speak at like 130 words per minute too. <laughs> so this is really a. If, if for those who listen, a lot of coffee. Yeah, for those who listen to us on, on double speed, they're gonna be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing lines of coke first no, i swear to god no just watch the video we weren't we weren't just kidding you fuckers <laughs> you're all butthurt about this stuff yeah so no, we uh i mean we we would go over some of the deals that we recently did but we just had a our, our debut podcast save with, it uh, yeah for story with, time with jeff. with jeff yeah story time with jeff so i don't which think- is awesome if you haven't listened to it go yeah. back and listen to it it's so much fun Jeff is uh, a very, very, he's a great, I mean, he's a really good, he's been a really good, he's one of the relationships that I said, you know, like you're, you got your drinking buddies, you're nervous to get rid of your, you know, drinking buddies because you want to have, uh, you know, new experiences, find new people. All of a sudden, new, better versions of drinking buddies. I was going to say, he's a fucking up. great drinking buddy. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, you got a drinking <laughs> buddy who knows more about real estate than me, is generally hilarious and insightful and has a lot of experience and he busts out you know two hundred dollar bottles excellent of booze yeah. to check out excellent that, taste you know. if you're into the whiskey bourbon scotch thing mm-hmm. i'm not entirely sure on all the differences but he knows them all and, and his creative is creative uh like the idea like meeting with people that have uh you know again i came out of like kind of the regular keller williams world i was you know different thinker and i read my own stuff too but at the same time some of the ideas that are out there that are totally creatively financed ideas there you don't there's not really places to learn this stuff except from other people who think that way like i mean jeff's come up with some really off the wall intelligent stuff that it's like yeah that's really smart you know and very you, creative yeah you kind of start thinking through the uh traditional broker method like all right how is that illegal you know at what point is that what what part of that it doesn't seem like that should work but then you realize wait a minute there isn't that isn't. There's nothing wrong. That idea is totally legit. It just doesn't mesh with the, you know, easy to sell retail concept. You know, and um, and I get it. I mean, you can't have a a, a high scale brokerage like a Keller Williams or a Remax or a Real Estate One running 
uh, you, you know, teaching your 400 agents all these off the wall things when the reality is, is that out of that 400 people, 370 of them aren't really doing any transactions in the first place. What's, what's the point of having classes about that stuff? You know what I mean? So I don't know. Um, having experiences with guys like him really have uh, opened my eyes to uh, different possibilities and uh, and seeing the different spread between people. Guys, like you have Jeff Rabinowitz and then you got Alan Daniels, two totally different personalities, but both of them are brilliant guys who have great ways of approaching problems. And I think it's just fun. It's like uh, it's like money engineering. Well, that's what I love about networking and and this podcast. I'm people on the podcast now. You get so many different looks at the same problem, mm-hmm. right? Because what is what are the problem we're talking about? We're talking about taking care of our families. We're talking about taking care of our medical bills, our retirement, hopefully taking care of some grandkids, some great grandkids, building a legacy, all that. And everybody has a different way they're approaching that. Mm-hmm. And everybody's goal is different. Everybody's number is different. And it's just fun and exciting to see the different ways people they do have it. different expectations about what that even means. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff's idea of perfect is not having an alarm clock. Yeah. He doesn't want to wake up. He doesn't particularly care when he wakes up, although he's not a morning person, but he doesn't want to do it to an alarm clock. Mm-hmm. He, he knew he was, he knew he won. When he no longer had to set an alarm clock to wake up, yeah, for him that's perfect. No, it's the it's control. Yep. He, he wants to be the one that's calling his shots, and I'm very much the same way. I think that's why me and him get along. Now I've got a, I mean, you know, I get up early and stuff, whatever. But I mean, one of my my version of that is like I don't even own a tie. You know, I don't want to wear a tie. I have suits and I like suits and I wear suits often. But don't have a tie. If Obama don't got to wear a tie, I don't wear a tie. Obama doesn't wear a tie. <laughs> he doesn't have to wear a tie, so I don't have to wear a tie. Okay. He shows up. He's all cool. He's got his open shirt. He gets to do that. So do I. That's true. <laughs> like, see, I'd rather wear the tie than the jacket. Well, for you, it's the opposite. You're doing it on purpose. Yeah. Because your 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 tie <laughs> is your fuck you. It is. Yeah. yeah. You do it on purpose. <laughs> so I mean, I know why you're doing it. You're not doing it because people are telling you you have to. No, you're doing it because yeah. people don't expect you to. Exactly. It's the same yeah. concept, you know. And I still got the goat vest. So you got a night. You got, remember when I first met you, you had one that was like punk rock. His head was all torn. Yeah. Off. This one's Eddie Bauer. You know, yeah. It's nicer. Look at you. You're going yeah. up and moving world. up in the world. <laughs> yeah. Ma, where's my vest? Ma, I can't find it. I thought I said, wash it. <laughs> oh, this has got downhill. Uh, is there anything else, man? No, man. That's a fucking yeah. great note to hang out. On. All right, folks. Go to TommyDesmond.com, DesmondRealty.com, OaklandInvestors.com. Jesus. You can get to all. Just go to TommyDesmond.com, and I've got uh, – that's my new blog. I'm going to focus almost entirely on putting all that content up there. Sweet. Because um, I've, I've got tons of content, and I'm going to do more and more video stuff. Um, I can't wait. Oh, you're in charge of the uh, – can I say that? What? You and Joe with the... Well, yeah, we're working at building out a production studio yeah, here. Yeah. And that is definitely going to factor in uh, more heavily. Um, I mean, I know that one of the big things that people want to see, especially on bigger pockets and stuff like that, um, is they, they... I mean, they really want to see the show of the the project, like how these projects come together. I know HGTV has kind of got a bad name for investors because we know it's a joke, their version of it. However, 
We could do our own. It doesn't have to be. And like the reality is we'll show some some realistic stuff. So I mean we are going to start making, you know, especially now that my wife's involved, it's gonna be a part of our thing here is you know, we're going to document each one of these more and more. And on my site, that Tommy Desmond site, I'm starting to make case studies. There's one up there now. I'm gonna keep adding them. There's not a ton of content yet, but there will be. Um, but they're case studies that break the entire property out, where it started, where it went, how the numbers went, how the financing went. Because that's really what people want to see. Absolutely right. What's so, better than the evidence? Yeah, exactly. Nothing. You know? That's the best sales pitch in the world. Look what I did. Well, that's the thing. If you're not really, I mean, like I'm not really trying to solicit in this capacity. I'm not really trying to solicit anything in the same way I was when I was just exclusively a retail agent. You got to cater every single thing you say to a particular market demographic. You have to like, you're trying to just sell it all the time. With this, it's not necessarily the same scenario here because we get properties in at the right price. We rehab them at the right price. We sell them at the right price. There's not necessarily anybody in that equation that gets to define how much we're profiting. So the level of my pitch is different. The point of TommyDesmond.com is not to uh, make me out to be something. It's literally to show what I am, where all this stuff, you know, all these videos are going there and podcasts with you already on that site. Um, And then it's to openly invite these relationships with other investors across the country. I, my goal now is to continually spread my network, um, not because I want to tap these people like a guru and get money out of them for things, but because I want to consistently keep growing what I'm building beyond just local geography, state, or even national geography. I want to do this worldwide and you know, all over the place. And then what that's that's my big why at the end of this is that when I've got my plane that you know Josh Sterling is going to teach me how to fly. Absolutely. <laughs> when I have my plane, I'm going We're to, all buying in. Yeah, we're buying in and I'm going to you know, when we take our flights and we fly over to, you know, wherever we go to, we take a flight to Australia and our jet Dylan Borland one yeah. and we're going to fly gonna over land. the peasants. Yeah, and we're going to land and we're going to meet the guys at the Rias over there and we're going to buy, you know, property in Adelaide and that's what that's this is what our tra- our travels are going to be I'd like to buy a mine. Yeah, yeah, you do. That'd be awesome. Yeah, a 10,000 acre mine. I'd, that'd be that'd be great. <laughs> Sign me up for one of those. What and are you then, doing? I'll just pull metal out of the earth, motherfucker. Soybeans on it. No soybeans. I know, I know you're angry at soybeans. Soybeans, miserable piece of shit. <laughs> what's the what's the capital website? DG Cap. Uh, DG Cap. Uh, DG Cap LLC. That's also linked on Tommy Desmond. Yeah. DG Cap. So in my sidebar, it's got all, all three. It'll of those all be others. there, folks. Yeah. It'll all be there. Thank Tommy for his time because he has important shit. I'm He's a very doing. important man. I'm big yeah. in Japan. He's <laughs> <laughs> very big. <laughs> all right, folks. And if you find this podcast helpful, here's here's what I need you to do. We need to step it up, folks. If you haven't already, and I know a lot of you have, rate and review on iTunes. Rate and review. If you haven't, stop. Stop and go do it now. I'll wait. Not really, but fucking do it. Come on. <laughs> Hook a brother up. You're listening to a free fucking podcast, man. If you like it, go rate and review. If you don't, fuck off. No, no I'm just kidding. Just don't. If you don't like it, don't rate and review it. Um, also, share this from the Renegade Trade Investor page. Or if this is going up on Tommy Desmond, whatever, wherever it is, it is share it's it. going up there, too. So we can see it. We want to see it being shared. All right. We need to grow this from about 750 weekly listeners to 5,000 a week. All right. We're 10 months into this, right? And my, my trade to you guys is you get a podcast Monday through Friday. So you get a different one. So Monday we got real deals, real returns with the Borland Group LLC. On Tuesday, 
We have flipped this podcast with Steve Londo. We're talking about all things wholesale. On Wednesday, you get to listen to the sultry tones of my voice for your typical marathon renegade Detroit investors podcast. Mm-hmm. On Thursday, we got story time with Jeff Motherfucker What, Whiskey and Deals and Stories. Ooh. Tommy was on that too. And Friday is going to be uh, Detroit Real Estate Advisors. And that's going to be a commercial real estate podcast. It was supposed to start last week, but we have some technical difficulties here that they will be getting up and running. And that's going to be about commercial real estate along the Woodward Corridor in Michigan, folks. So you like all that content, doubled it. But what we need you to do, rate, review, share. All right, folks. And if you haven't already, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess and on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess. And as always, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you, man, just do some shit. Do some fucking shit. I'm going off script right now. Do some shit. Stop watching this bullshit. Politics doesn't matter. It's a religion. Give it up. All right. Look in your bank account. If you're listening to this on your couch, I want you to pull up the app on your phone and look in your fucking bank account. Think about what you've done and how long you've done it and whether it's working for you or not. If it is, keep doing it. If it's not, right now, get off the fucking couch and go for a walk. Think about how you're going to change your life. You probably don't have any goals. Get you some. All right? Stick with it. Do something every day. Just, you know, do shit, man. All right? And until next week crush it.